Hey, welcome to the Outside Church in Port St. Lucie, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out. Hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Without further ado, I'm excited to announce the pastor, the newly anointed father in the building. I can't, I can't wait to hear what the Lord has placed on him. PB, do your thing, brother. Man, I think um, online needs to know that today is actually a very special Sunday um, because right now we're, I would say we're giving our first worship outside of quarantine, right? So my question to you real quick is, I wonder what your worship sounds like now that we're gathered together, some of our leaders. So right there where you are, if you just lift up your hands and I want you to give God a praise of worship and say, God, thank you because I'm glad that today we get to get together Amen. Um, That's why we're so excited. Let me put this a little bit right here. You guys may be seated. Um, I'm really, really excited to get into the word. Amen. Um, It's definitely surreal us going through what we're going through. And those online can't see that we have a few of our leaders here um, as we're enacting in um, phase one of getting the church back together. Um, I want to say it's very, very refreshing. And I know that God's people can't wait to get back to church. Um, even with corporate prayer while I was, I mean, corporate worship while we were worshiping, it's just different when God calls us to congregate. It's different to look at your brother and your sisters and the side of you worshiping. The anointing is different. The glory is different. So I know that the day that the church gets together, not phase one, not phase two, but when we're in the finale, when the church gets to come together, I really believe that we may have our phase one, but God also has a phase one. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying, but I know that the God has, in the midst of all of this chaos, has a plan and our church will never, ever be the same. Not just our church, but his church. Amen. So I want to get right into the word um, because I need some time and I'm really excited about this. Um, What I do need first, though, for those who are here, um, I just need a volunteer um, to put this blindfold on. Okay, never mind. (laughs) I want to talk a little bit about danger. Somebody say danger. Amen. Um, before I talk about danger, we all have an idea of what danger is. We all do. We know what's dangerous. We have this idea, this notion of what danger is. I want to talk about um, one of our pastors here at the church. Um, her name is Glory. Amen. She's also my mom. And I'm going to share a quick story about her that she probably doesn't want me to share because um, it's not so Christian. Amen. <laughs> so long time ago when I was young, I decided to start reading a book. I don't know if you know that um, old movie of The Ring. I don't know if you know, it was a scary movie of a woman who exited a TV. I'll pray for you later if you're getting scared right now. But (laughs) I decided to read this book at a young age, and my mom knew I was going to get nightmares. She knew it was bad for me. And, you know, this was in point in time where everything was a sin. Amen. Going to the movies, wearing jeans, all that was a sin. (laughs) So in that season, I decided to read the book, and she was absolutely right. I could barely sleep, but I had to keep reading it. So she decided one day to teach me a lesson about the dangers of reading that book. Uh, one day when I'm sleeping, I hear a knocking in our new house, and I wake up, and I look around, and my teeth are chattering because I'm so nervous of what's going on here, and I keep hearing a banging. Then I look in the sliding door of the backyard, and I look, and there's a woman with a long white dress, and, and I kept looking, and I would see her hair was forward just like the book, and I saw her knocking, and then it got real, okay? So I wasn't a man before, Amen. So, you know, tears started coming out, but it got real. Someone said, it got real. 
it got real when the sliding door began to open. It was fine when she was behind the sliding door, but then she suddenly started to open the sliding door and start walking to me. That's when I started crying. I'm backing up. I'm, I'm giving all my praise to God. I'm like, Lord, I, I sinned yesterday. I'm sorry. Bring me to heaven. I was so, so scared. And then finally, my mom goes, Papito is me, and lifts up her hair. I'm like, don't Papito is me, nothing. I'm like, there's not time for Papito. I was so scared, but you already know that I never read that book again. She taught me that lesson because I was in fear. Danger is associated with fear. I thought I was in danger because I believed I was about to get harmed, and it taught me a lesson. Someone say danger. Now that we know danger is associated and tied with fear. And I need you to follow me because I know that the revelation God wants to give you today is one that we need in this generation. And what we deem and what we call dangerous, we tend to stay away from. So danger is another word for distance. Anything that's deemed dangerous, anything that we title dangerous, now we stay away from it. That's why we have things like caution tape. That's why we have things like police tape. That's why we have signs of slip and fall. It will give us a heed of warning so that what we can do is stay our distance. Danger is associated with fear, and danger is just another word for, fear, uh, for distance. Danger is the possibility of suffering harm. And we as humans will do everything we can not to fall into danger and not to be harmed. So I guess you can say that our perception on what is dangerous has a huge effect over our life. What we call dangerous can affect how we walk, how we talk, where we go, what we do. If we call it dangerous, just like my mom proved to me about the dangers of reading this book and the fear associated with this book, I never read it again. The things that you title dangerous can affect the decisions in your life. That being said, it, may, it sounds like it may be possible that the devil is operating with your perception of what you call dangerous. So I want to ask you, could it be dangerous to call the wrong things dangerous. If titling something dangerous causes you to be distant from it, what happens when we, the church, call the wrong things dangerous in our life? We will no longer walk to it, operate in it, or step on that territory. Why? Because we're at risk of being harmed. And where do we get these ideas of danger? Society, culture, and media. All of these things tell us what is dangerous. We going through an epidemic are witnesses of that in, in this time of 2020, witnessing everything with COVID-19. The word danger and fear is everywhere. So if danger has such a hold on our life, then this fear factor means that we are being controlled. So that means our perception on danger controls our movement. Could it be possible that if the government knows this, so does Satan? Could it be possible that he can alter and manipulate your perception on what is dangerous because he doesn't want you to step on the right territory. Could it be possible that Satan has this understanding and this concept that what fear can do or make us not do in our life is powerful? That means whoever that we hold as an influence in our life, whoever we hold high and mighty in our life has the power to tell us what is dangerous and we'll listen. 
We trust our doctors, and our doctors will tell us what is dangerous, and we listen. We trust them so much that they diagnose us, and we take their prescriptions. Trust, because we hold them at an authority. We trust our law enforcement, right? And what they tell us is dangerous, we'll leave the scene, because we don't want to get harmed, and we trust them. So whoever we are listening to on what is dangerous can alter where we go and what we do and what we eat and what we listen to. Danger in your life is more prevalent than you even thought. Some of us came today in church just with the notion that danger is just touching a hot stove when in reality it isn't. Because danger is a territory that the enemy is operating in and he wants you to know that truth today. God came with a revelation to say, open up your eyes and heed to what is happening. Hmm. Could it be possible that the enemy, his mission and his purpose right now is to be the biggest influence in your life of what you call dangerous? Because you don't even think the enemy works in that place. You don't think that he's trying to manipulate or convince you of what is dangerous and what is not. So the biggest premise of this idea and this sermon today is that it may be dangerous to call the wrong things dangerous. You still don't believe that danger has an influence over your life or that danger uh, doesn't make you a victim? For those of you know that as a police officer, everything that's happening with COVID-19, I want, I want to talk about that in just a moment as a police officer. I went to work a few weeks ago. And while I was at work, I wanted to get something healthy. You know, I wanted to eat something healthy, so I went to a local gas station, and I got a Red Bull and Hot Cheetos. And while I was there at the gas station, I'll never forget it, okay? How many have hand sanitizer, right? Barely. Toilet paper, right? You have to fight the old lady on aisle three in Walmart? No? Just me? Okay, that's fine. We could not get our hands at that time on hand sanitizer and toilet paper. It was nowhere to be seen. Nowhere to be found. And while I was at that gas station buying my stuff, I saw it was like gold. I looked and it was like a small bottle of hand sanitizer. And then it said $2.70. And I said, yes. I was so excited. I'm like, mm, when I come home, my wife's going to be like, boom, I got hand sanitizer. What's up? We're clean. 99.9% .9 germ free. And when I was there, I looked again and it said $27. And I was like, 20? The bottle was this big. $27, and I can tell that the owner and the clerk, he's the clerk and he's also the owner because I go there all the time. He starts getting nervous because I'm a police officer. And believe it or not, this is a crime. And he starts slowly turning the bottle, and I'm like, did that say $27 or $2.70? And I'll never forget, he's like, hey, hey, expensive, right? I'm like, yeah, that's expensive. But the reason why he was nervous is because that crime is called price gouging. Price gouging is when a business raises and increases the price on a product that is in demand from the people, but this usually occurs during a pandemic. What are businesses manipulating and using? Businesses are manipulating and using our fear of being affected by a disease, so they raise the price knowing that out of our desperation to stay away from danger, we'll buy it. Here's every penny I have to give me that hand sanitizer. And this is evil. This is why it's a crime. And evil has his name. So if businesses would use this, then why don't you think that the enemy would use danger? Hmm. Your perception on danger means everything. This is my favorite part, talking about Jesus. If we go over Jesus' life, in Jesus' timeline and in the society that he was living in, 
he was deemed dangerous. If we look through the Gospels, we'll see that the Romans that were in power, the Jewish leaders like the synagogue teachers, the, the Pharisees, they all tried to call Jesus a danger. Not just a danger to social norm or the social order, but a danger to the word of God. They tried to deem him as dangerous. Why? Because if they can prove to everybody that Jesus was dangerous, then everybody would stay their distance away from him. So they did everything in their power to manipulate what he was saying, to alter the things that he was doing, to try to yell to people, Jesus is dangerous. Stay away from Jesus. Predominant people, people in power, people of authority, time and time again throughout Jesus' ministry, time and time again, people were trying to tell him he was dangerous. But the issue was he was dangerous to the right things. Jesus was a problem because Jesus was an oxymoron. Jesus was going against the grain, going against the culture, going against the norm, going against society, going against authority. Jesus was the only forefront. Jesus was the only thing that was combating them. And they realized that, yes, he's dangerous, not to the word of God, but to man's plan. Jesus was dangerous. And they try to prove this so that people can stay their distance. And I can, I can assure you that synagogue teachers and Pharisees who a lot of people of us respected, people of high influence, if nowadays they would tell us that this man that is healing, this man that's doing miracles, this man who says that he's the, the king, the son of God, he's dangerous, a lot of us would fall back and not listen. Because we hold them at influence. And if he's dangerous, I'm staying away from his message. Jesus was going against and contrary to everything that was being taught. I'll, I'll, I'll prove it to you. This is my favorite thing. As I began to research throughout this sermon, I couldn't, re I couldn't believe how many opposites Jesus was coming in. In his society, in Mark chapter 3, verse 1 through 6, Jesus heals the man, shriveled hand, in Sabbath day, angering the Pharisees because no healing should take place on Sabbath. On Mark chapter 11, Jesus enters into Jerusalem on a donkey as an act of humility, and the Pharisees were outraged because he didn't fit their perception of what a Messiah or a king looked like. On John chapter 8, a woman who sinned committing adultery was about to be stoned until Jesus intervened and asked, Whoever is without sin, cast the first stone. Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 through 40, says that once what was once taught that an eye for an eye was righteous, Jesus intervened and said, turn the other cheek. On Matthew 20, 28, with the disciples' perception that Jesus was king and was to be served, Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but I came to serve. In Matthew chapter 20, Verse 16, it says, so the last shall be first and the first shall be last. And finally, John 3, 16, although we were sinners, Jesus gave his only begotten son. Time and time throughout the gospel, Jesus kept going back and forth saying, I know you heard this, but here is a new message. I know you heard that holding a grudge is better, but I call you to forgive. I know that person betrayed you and angered you, but I call you to turn the other cheek. I know that the last should, the last should be last but I come to say that the last shall be first my kingdom is not here on oh my God. he was coming in contrary to everything that was teaching everything that was established in that society imagine Jesus in our time period right now what would Jesus look like in 2020 if Jesus decided to save the world 
and save our souls in 2020, would we follow him? Or will we listen to the political leaders? Will we listen to government? Will we listen to society and culture saying that he's dangerous because he's teaching a word that comes in contrary? Because the gospel is the only thing that intervenes. The gospel is the only thing that faces evil face to face. The gospel is the only thing that disturbs demons behind people. The gospel is the only thing that shakes them in their boots. Because Jesus came with a dangerous message. The entire gospel, the greatest love story ever told, the reason why you're sitting in this chair today, the reason why you're watching online, the reason why you lift up your name for the name, your hand for the name of Jesus, the reason why you gave your life to him is the entire Bible, the greatest love story was an oxymoron because Jesus served, Jesus saved, Jesus redeemed, Jesus forgave, Jesus understood, Jesus saved. All of these things are dangerous. And you cannot live a life of faith in Jesus without the risks that come with following him. I don't know when we came to this idea or this notion that following Jesus didn't have risk and wasn't dangerous. We've come into a comfortable Christianity. We've come into a comfortable state of mind where everything is in a sin, where we don't have to change, where Jesus just came once saved, all the, always saved, when the reality is not Following Jesus doesn't mean that you're walking down a puddle of rainbows. Following Jesus doesn't mean that the moment you lift up your hands, all the problems, you're immune to all the issues that the world... There's still evil that exists. There is still a battle. There is still spiritual warfare. It's dangerous to follow Jesus. People lost their life following Jesus. Disciples were beheaded following Jesus. A disciple couldn't even bear the fact that he betrayed Jesus and hung himself. People died for what we believe in. It's dangerous. But I come bearing good news today. As I began searching this and praising God and worshiping him and saying, God, give me a message for your church. He comes with a message of this, that if God has called us to do it, then it is dangerously safe. I want somebody to praise God right there where you are and say, though what I do is dangerous, it is dangerously safe. Because what God started, come on somebody, what God started, God will end. If he is in the midst of it, what shall I fear? If God has called us to do it, then it is dangerously safe. My question to you is this. In this season of your life that you're facing, what dangerous thing is God calling you to do? Danger is a territory that we push away. And the devil knows this. And I'm not talking about just physical danger. Follow me when... I'm calling you to a territory of forgiveness. I wonder, is he calling you to forgive somebody who's hurt you? Is he calling you to have a difficult conversation and address the elephant in the room? Is he calling you to trust and cast your worries aside financially? Is he calling you to trust in his promises that it will come to pass even though it doesn't look like it? Confide your finances even though all of the society is facing what they're facing. Is he calling you to swallow your pride and realize that you're the one in the wrong? Is he calling you to re-engage your family and make them strong again? Is he calling you to go into your marriage and make it effective again and stop gazing at great grass that you believe is greener on the other side? Is he calling you to put to rest your, your, your grudges and your 
your anger and choose to love? Is he calling you to lay down your insecurities and put to rest your thoughts and say, you know what? I am a good and perfect work through Jesus. Is he calling you to have a dangerous and radical faith in the midst of your jobs, your schools, and your workplaces? Is he calling you for purity and to fall away from temptation? These are the dangerous territories I'm talking about. I'm not talking about that just our lives are physically in danger. But I'm saying that society, culture, media, people, friends, even family will try to convince you to stay away from these grounds. Leave that marriage. She's good for nothing. He's a good for nothing. Your family, stay away from them. All they bring is troubles. That person betrayed you. You got to cut them off when God says to embrace. Contrary to every single idea that comes into our head. Because naturally, we fear being harmed again. This is why so many of us haven't forgiven people. Because we're in fear and we've built a wall. But God says, I've come in your life to lay down that wall. Why? Because in that territory, there is fertile ground. There is something I want to plant. I wonder how dangerous the church of God would be if we would be unashamed and willing to step on a territory that society says don't step on. I wonder what God would do in the midst of your conversations. I wonder what God would do in the midst of your forgiveness. I wonder what God would do when you start to love your family as he's loved the church. I wonder what God would do in your marriage when you stop staring outside and stop working inside. I wonder what God would do in your church when you lay down your pride and your agendas and you worship God the way he's called you in spirit and in truth I wonder how dangerous we would be do you understand the revelation that God is trying to give you today that the devil is trying to get you to have an idea that it's dangerous where you're walking and it's he's true think about it the very first sin that's ever entered into mankind was in the book of Genesis right and Adam and Eve they were tempted by the serpent, but did the serpent technically lie? He said that you will not surely die. What he meant was you will not surely die physically, but spiritually you will. He will say to us now that you are in danger where you are. Is he lying? No. You are on dangerous grounds. But one truth that he doesn't want you to know is that you are dangerously safe. These dangerous grounds that society has taught us to stray away from, the work of Jesus, comes to mind that the harvest is ready, but the workers are few. Why would the workers stay away from the harvest? Why would they stay away from fruits that they can see? Maybe because we don't know that those are fruits. And the workers are in distance because they believe they're in danger. Hmm. Our response needs to be different so that the world can know his name. If we operate like Jesus, we are planting seeds on fertile ground. But when we also operate like Jesus and he walks with us, though we walk through the what? Valley of the shadow of death. We fear no evil for God is with us. So that when God is with us and we're walking in dangerous places, God is able to turn graves into gardens. 
How can we expect God to bring back to life things in our life? How can we expect God to do miracles if we're not standing at a place of a standstill and we're trapped? How can we expect God to do something miraculous if we're not moving in the supernatural? God is calling you to walk into territory that society has pushed you away from. God is calling you to step into a radical faith and say, believe that my power is sufficient, that I am able to do exceedingly and abundantly. I can't heal your family. I can't heal your sickness. I can't work with your finances. I can't make your dreams and aspirations true. I can't work with your job. I can't do this. I can't do that. God is able. Somebody give God a praise just because he's able. Not because he's done it yet, but because he's able. I thank God that I worship a God who is able. His hands aren't tied. He turns graves into gardens, but he needs vessels to walk through the graves. The church, the work in which God has called us to do is dangerous. We, his people, will experience suffrage. I don't want to continue a prosperity gospel. I don't want to continue in the path of this perspective, this perspective that's skewed and not real. Look at the times that we are living in and how things are aligning. There's no time to have a false idea of what Jesus came to do or what Jesus is about. We as Christians will experience suffrage. And if you don't believe me, I'm not only going to tell you about the suffrage, but how to have faith in the midst of danger. Because in 2 Corinthians 4, chapter 4, verse 8 through 9, one of my favorite verses says that we are pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. You see what the enemy will try to get? He'll try to convince you that you're crushed, but on every side. He'll try to convince you that you're perplexed, but you realize I'm not in despair, though. He tries to say that you're persecuted, but you say, listen, I'm not abandoned, though. He tries to say that you're struck down, oh, but you can say, but I'm not destroyed, though. Does somebody got a word against hell and say, listen, you can try to convince me that I'm in danger you can try to convince me that he's not able you can try to convince me that it's over but baby it's not over until my God says that it's it's not over till God says it's over so our message our message not only to God as we worship him today and as we praise him and give him glory we also as the church today with the 10 15 25 people that are here today during quarantine during phase one during all of these different chaoses that he's trying to convince us that God doesn't have a plan we have a message for hell today I have a message to the enemy to his plots his plans, his schemes, sickness. I have a message to division. I have a message to hatred. I have a message to greed. I have a message to racism, to divorce, to restlessness, to depression. I have a message to drug addiction, alcoholism. I have a message to hell itself. And here's my message is that baby, we are the danger. I don't know if you hear what I'm saying today, but we, the church of Jesus Christ, we are the danger. We, the church of Jesus Christ, Somebody shout out with a dangerous worship. Somebody praise God with a dangerous worship. We are the danger. You better fear the... Sickness, get out. Divorce, get out. Restlessness, drug addiction. 
This is my message to hell. Is that the next time you come knocking at the church's building, you realize that you are the one in danger. And one of the verses that will strike us throughout our entire ministry and throughout our entire lives is this. That there will be a day. We sometimes forget that verse. There will be a day that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. There will be a day that sickness, there will be a day that government, there will be a day that society, there will be the day that those who backstabbed you, hurt you, tried you, there will be, you know what everybody consists of? That also consists of not just the natural, but the supernatural. God was trying to say that hell itself, there will be a day that they have to bow down at the feet of Jesus. There will be a day that the cracked skies will arise and Jesus will send saying, I'm back. And that's when things get dangerous. That's when things get a little messed up. That's when things get The word of God for you today is that you are dangerously safe. Ask God, what dangerous things do you want me to do? What dangerous territory was I scared to do it? Is it my faith in my finances, but actually have faith, not just say it that I have faith? Is it in my marriage that I, I know it's a little broken, but what area in my life am I so scared to touch? Because that is the place he's calling you to. Think about it. Everything he did was the very opposite of what we believed. That's how good he is. That although we were sinners, he gave his only begotten son to die. That message of the gospel is not only to teach you the love of God, but it's to show you how he works. This is how I live. It's dangerous, but I'm with you. I want you to lift up your hands right there where you are. Father God, Lord, we thank you for this word. Lord, we thank you for the dangerous territory you're calling us to step in. Lord, these are unprecedented times, but we as your church take hold of this mission that you have given us. This mission to step into places that society has told us not to step into, Lord. Lord, teach us to forgive. Teach us to love the way you love. Teach us to give the way you've called us to give. Teach us to sow the way you've called us to sow. Lord, teach us to love in the ways that you've shown us to love, Father God. Teach us to sacrifice. Teach us to serve. Teach us to lay down our lives, Lord. Teach us to put our pride aside. Teach us to be the last so that you can make us first. Teach us to be humble in the midst of our pride. Teach us how to worship with we cry out, God. Teach us what it is to be in a prayer session, Lord. Lord, and calling out for you in consecration. Teach us how to speak in the celestial languages, God. Teach us how to rebuke. Teach us how to disciple. Teach us how to cry out for you. Teach us how to serve. Teach us how to heal. Teach us so that when we walk into this world, Lord, that every grave that your church steps on become gardens. Lord, that every skeleton that we walk by breathes breath life again, Lord. Teach us, Lord, how to be your vessels, an instrument of righteousness, God. Lord, an instrument and a weapon for you, oh God. Lord, teach us to be your church the way you've called us, and on this rock we will build it, Lord. Lord, teach us to be your church again. Teach us to be not fearful, Lord, for though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we fear no evil. 
Why? Because we are not alone. We fear no evil because God is with us. Though we are depressed on every side, perplexed but not in despair. Come on, persecuted but not abandoned. We are cast down but not destroyed. God, we give you praise today. We worship you. We lift up our hands in the midst of hatred, in the midst of racism, in the midst of division, in the midst of corruption. God, we praise you. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Church, give God a cry out of praise. Just close your eyes and lift up your hands. Release a dangerous worship just for the next minute. It's the first phase one. Give God a phase one praise today. Ready, one. Two is coming, right? 